Over the past couple years, or actually the past couple months here at Westridge, uh, we've been in a series on the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And every week uh, we've been challenging, we've been challenging every person in this room to take a next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To look at the teachings of Jesus, to look at the, the life of Jesus and how it, it shapes our day-to-day decisions, how it, it shapes our thoughts and how it shapes our lives, how it shapes our, even our marriages and for some of you, your singleness or your actions or, or for some of you, your future. Listen, what we know is that Jesus has changed our lives and it's been awesome, but I got to tell you, it's been challenging. And, and one of the things that I've heard from a lot of emails, a lot of personal conversations is, is just kind of this running theme of this statement. I don't know if I have the power to change. I don't know if I have the power to change my attitude or to to change my outlook on life, Brian. So much has happened to me. Or I don't know if I have the strength to continue in this marriage. Or I don't know if I have the ability to to break this addiction. Or I don't know if if I can truly forgive this person who has really hurt me. I mean, you have no idea what they've done to me. Or I don't know if I can, if I have the power to love my enemies. Or I don't know if I have the, the, the power to live the life that Jesus is calling me to live. Because Brian, Jesus is raising the bar here. I mean, I don't have the power to do it. I don't know if I have the power to change my life. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. You don't. You don't. You don't have the power to change your your life. You don't have the power to live the life that Jesus is calling you to live. That's why we've said over and over and over again, and we're going to keep saying it, what you need in your life is a Savior. And that's the good news of Easter. You say, how in the world is that good news? Well, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth in the flesh to live amongst us, to show us how to live. He he then took our sins upon him and died for them on a cross and then defeated the power that sin and death had over us by raising from the dead three days later. And as a result of the resurrection, every person that has received Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior now has the power within them to not only change their life, but to live the victorious, abundant life that God has for us. That's what Easter is all about. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, here's a guy who actually persecuted Christians before he met Jesus on a road to Damascus, actually a road to Syria of all places. And the Bible tells us he experienced a radical life change experience through, through an encounter with Jesus. And he knew He knew with all of the things that he was about to go through, the beatings and the floggings and the the shipwrecks and and, and the moments and the times that he spent in prison, he knew that his very life depended upon Jesus and the power of the resurrection. Listen to what he said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. Yes. And he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. That was the goal of Paul's life, to know Jesus and to know the power of his resurrection in his everyday life because he knew that his ability to get through everything that he was going through was dependent upon Jesus and his power, the power of the resurrection living through him. And the good thing is that Paul also wanted all of his friends to know about it as well. Listen to how he prayed for his friends in the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. I mean, think about this for a moment. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead now gives him the ability and authority to rule over the universe, and that same power is available to you and me this morning. The Greek word for power is the word dunamis, 
It's where we get the word dynamite. To have the power of the resurrection in your life is to have dynamite power. And the apostle Paul says, he says, I want to know it. Give me a piece of that. He says, it's my goal in life to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection. And he prays that we would know it as well. And the good news of Easter is that Jesus Christ not only died for your sins and he offers you forgiveness this morning, but that same power that raised him from the dead over 2,000 years ago is available for your life right now to change your life. Now, let me make it real practical. What is resurrection power? Resurrection power is the power to cancel out your past and your present and your future sins. I mean, so many people walk through life carrying around the weight and the burden of their past failures or their past mistakes or or their past sins. They become overwhelmed by the regret of their past. When I say cancel out your past, I'm not talking about you denying it or or somehow saying that it never happened. No, no, no. To cancel means to eliminate or to remove or to delete. You ever gotten halfway through a project before? You're building something or you're doing something, you're engaged in something, and all of a sudden you get halfway through it and you go, man, I wish I could start this over. This isn't going how... I thought it would go. I mean, this is not turning out how, the, how, it, how I planned it would turn out. Several years ago, when my, when my boys were real, were real young, my in-laws bought them a brand new red radio flyer wagon. You, you ever have one of those? I mean, just every kid wants a, a wagon. And, and I was so excited about, you know, the fact they got it. Now, before I tell you this story, what you need to know about me, about me is I'm one of the least, most mechanically inclined, inclined person, people in the world. All right. I got a lot of tools. I just don't know how to use a lot of them. All right. And so, so it comes, you know, this, this thing comes in a box and, and I could have called some people, but I'm like, no, I'm going to put this together. My boys are watching. They're, they're so excited about this wagon. So I pull it out. I put, you know, all the pieces where, you know, just set, spread them out all over the floor, just like the instruction manual says. I put that out in front of me. You know, I'm going to follow it. So, you know, I flip the wagon over that metal, you know, box and start putting the axles on. I put the wheels on and, you know, put the little, little pivot plate on that, you know, turns the thing. I can just picture my boys, me pulling them down down the street or me pushing them and them steering it. I'm so excited. They're excited about it. And I, you know, so I flip it back over and I take these little red caps that go, you know, over the wheels and I stick those things in there. The boys are getting excited. And, and all of a sudden I, I, I get ready to, to, to pull the wagon and I realize I didn't put the handle on this thing. Now those little red caps, there's something you need to know about those caps. Once you put those things on, nothing Nothing is getting those things off. I mean I, I, I mean, I had a screwdriver. I'm prying those. I'm trying not to ruin the wagon, but I'm prying those things out. I'm thinking I got a blowtorch in there. I'm going to bring that in the living room. And he's like, no. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, and so I called the guy, it was a guy that worked for us who was the most mechanically inclined person I've ever met. And I said, listen, bring over tools, bring over a jackhammer. He came over. He goes, these things are, they're never coming off, ever. And so that wagon, that box on wheels now, just sat in our garage for several years. We'd pile stuff up on it. You know, we'd go out there, get in the car, and the boys would look at that wagon. They'd look at me and go. Every time I saw that wagon, I felt like a complete failure. You know, I mean, just that, that wagon never did what it was supposed to do. I mean, I, I just thought if I could just start over and actually read the instruction manual all the way through, all the way through instead of thinking, oh, I got this. And that's how a lot of people feel about life, don't they? If I, could, if I could just start over, I have made so many mistakes. There's so many failures, so many problems, so many bad decisions. If I, could just, if I could just hit the delete button 
the redo button and start over. And so many people, they just can't let go of that. They can't let go of their past. And as a result, they, they let their present control, their past control their present and dictate their future. And they, they live in this constant state of regret and they continually second guess themselves because they're tortured by painful memories. And God says, listen, that's unnecessary. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to walk around with this heavy load of guilt and hurts and painful memories. You say, how can that be? Because I want that. Listen, for a moment, listen for a moment to what happened as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He actually canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to a cross. Listen to that again. I mean, Christ has done away with the record of charges against you by nailing it to a cross. It says he, he forgave all your sins. What is sin? Sin comes from an archery term. It's, it's bows and arrows. Sin doesn't just mean you shoot and miss the target with your lives. It means to turn our backs and to shoot in every direction except for the target. We actually actually ignore the true target of pleasing God with our lives and we set our sights on seductive targets that don't save us or satisfy us. They actually make us feel empty and miserable. But here's the good news this morning. God offers complete forgiveness. He says that he cancels every record of charges against him and he actually forgives those things. The words the Bible uses to describe how how God forgives us are words like blot out or to wipe away or actually to wash away or to cancel. And that that not only means that, that God forgives you, but he forgets about them. He forgets about them. That doesn't mean that God doesn't know the sins that you've committed. It just means he didn't come to rub them in. He came to rub them out. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to change you by saving you from your sins. Listen to what John chapter 3 verse 17 says. The apostle John says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. One of my favorite toys growing up was an Etch-A-Sketch. You ever had one of those? Some of you still do. I mean, I love those things. I mean, you could sit in the back seat of a car going on a trip for 20 hours, just those little wheels, drawing things. You know one of the best things I love about an Etch-A-Sketch? Is when you mess up, what do you do? You just flip that thing over, you shake it, you turn it back over, and you get to start all over again. And the Bible says that God has the ability, because of the sacrifice of Jesus through his death and resurrection, to take all of your messes, all of your sins, and the regrets that you have in your life, and to wipe it clean. That happens at the very moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior. But it gets even better than that. God makes a promise to the Israelites in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. Here's what he says to them. And just this applies to us this morning as well. He says, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That has to be one of the most amazing verses in the whole Bible. God who made the whole world and everything in it chooses makes a choice to forget your wrongs, to forget your your mistakes, your past failures and your sins. And when you come to him and you confess those things and you ask him to forgive those things, he cancels your past and he forgets about it. For those of you that are here today, that at some point in your past, you remember that moment that you actually prayed to receive Jesus Christ to be your savior. 
But you walked in here today. I mean, you walked in from the parking lot. You maybe couldn't physically see it, but you just limped in here because you're just, your life is just marred and scarred by sin. So I want you to know the same thing applies to you. Maybe it's been Christmas or last Easter since you've been in a, in, a, in a place like this. I want you to know that when you come back to Jesus and you confess your sins and you ask him to forgive you, he receives you, he forgives you, he wipes the slate clean, and he cancels those sins off your record. The gospel didn't just apply to one moment of your life. It applies to every moment of your life, every single moment. You say, how can God do that? How can God do that? He's seen everything I've done. He knows everything that I've done. What's the basis of this kind of forgiveness? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Oh, hang on to this one. He says, there is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, one of the last things that he said from the cross was, it is finished. In the Greek, those three words are actually one word. It literally means paid in full, canceled. God says, that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He paid for every sin that you ever committed. He actually stamped paid in full across each one of those things. That's why there's no condemnation for you. He cancels our past sins, our present sins, and he'll cancel the future ones as well. Oh, but it gets even better. Resurrection power also has the ability to give you a new identity. What's an identity? An identity is something that defines you. In our culture, we define ourselves by our race. We define ourselves by religion. We define ourselves by some kind of political party affiliation or maybe our sexual orientation or our gender. We find our identity in, in our occupation or our hobbies or maybe where, where we go to school or went to school or our looks or our clothes or who we might be dating at the moment or who we're married to. But sometimes people have a, kind of a hidden shadow identity, a dark identity that... that that, that just impacts their lives and, and all of their decisions. It, it just defines them. They, that maybe it's an addiction that you cannot seem to break or, or, or maybe it's a weight issue that you just struggle with or, a, or maybe you were adopted in life and you've grown up feeling unwanted or, or maybe it's a health issue or maybe you've gone through a, a really tr- nasty relational situation. You, maybe you've been divorced before. Or maybe you've gone through life and people have just said things about you. You're like, you're not smart or you'll never be good at this. And, and you've gone through life feeling unwanted and unloved. Identities are so much about what we do or what we've done or the successes or failures and what, what others have done to us, the words that people have spoken over us through our lives. Listen, re- the resurrection brought with it the power to change all of that. Because of Jesus, because he conquered sin and death, we don't have to be defined any longer by our sinful failures or our past mistakes or even what other people have said about us or what other people think about us. Our identities can now be shaped by God's success to conquer those failures and his ability to give us new life. The resurrection has the ability to take the impossible and make it possible. When we come to God and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone to be our personal savior and when we receive his free gift of salvation, I want you to look at the words that God now uses to give you identity, to describe you. He calls us a friend of God. He calls us blessed. He calls us loved. He says, I'm pleased with you. He calls us a new creation, a saint, a disciple. And this is one of my very favorite ones. In John chapter 1, 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the what? The children of God. This morning, I'm a child of God. Out of his grace, 
he reached down and he adopted me into his family and he says, from here on out, call me father. From here on out, when you and I are talking together, he says, you come to me and you call me father because that's your new identity. You're my child and I'm your daddy. He says, I am, I'm his and he is mine. You may be thinking, how, how could that be true? How do, how do I know that that's true? 2 Corinthians 1.22 says this, and he has identified us as his own. There's that word. When he's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. What this means is that you can let go of that image of yourself that's not from God. You can stop accepting what others have said about you in the past or, or how others have labeled you or how you label yourself and how others have defined you. And you actually start believing what God says about you, that you are his child and that he is your father. That's how he defines you. You see, when you're a child of God, you're not defined by your feelings. You're not defined by the opinions of others or, or by your circumstances. You're not even defined by your successes or failures. You're not defined by the car you drive, the home you live in, the money you make. You're defined by God and God alone. And he identifies you as his own. See, the thing is, if you don't know who you are, then you're going to be vulnerable to other people telling you who you are. But here's the thing you need to know. You are who God says you are, and no one else gets a say in that matter. The cross has the final word over who you are. The resurrection is the final word over who you are when you belong to Christ. I love the words of Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller. He says, the only person in the universe whose opinion counts looks at me and he finds me more valuable than all the jewels in creation. Drop the mic, leave the stage, we can go home. Come on. Because of the power of the resurrection, you are now identified with Christ and you actually have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You have been given a brand new identity. The resurrection power, it also has the power to fill you with the strength that you need to face the challenges of each day. Here's one of the most powerful truths that you'll ever hear about Jesus. We're not only saved by his death, but we're also saved by his life. That means that a resurrected, risen Jesus now lives inside of us by his Holy Spirit. His divinity inhabits my humanity. That means that you can face each day in the strength of a risen Savior. Regardless of what happens to you, regardless of the difficulties you may face, regardless of of a curveball that may be thrown in your life, you have the ability to stand in there through the power of Jesus and face whatever's coming. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. Think of the prospects of going through life and having a risen Jesus living his life out through you. I mean, you think about that and you realize the possibilities are endless. Here's something that I've learned about life. And if you put in some years, you know what I'm talking about. Life is full of twists and turns. I mean, it's unpredictable. One moment, you feel like you're sailing along, you're doing well, and then every, you know, and the next thing, you're dealing with a crisis. Because life is full of stresses, it's full of heartaches, it's full of disappointments, it's full of setbacks and trials and tragedies. How in the world, how in the world can we face these these things, these twists and turns, these roadblocks or or these life-altering dead ends? It's the power of a risen Savior in our lives through His Holy Spirit, sustaining us and carrying us through His grace, sometimes even carrying us through His power. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 11. Oh, this is so good. He says... 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That means that the Holy Spirit of God, the one who was involved in creation, the one who came upon the disciples at Pentecost, like the Bible says, a mighty Russian wind, the one who raised Jesus from the dead has given you power to live daily regardless of what you're going to face. We have a wonderful couple in our church that faced one of those twists and turns, faced a tragedy in April 2014. They'd only been married for a short time. And over the last couple of weeks, we were able to, with their permission, to capture their story. And uh, they've allowed it to share, uh, us to share it with, uh, with you today. And so I want you, if you would, just to, to take a moment and to look at the screen of and to hear the story of Chris and Jamie Sparkman, a couple who has been able to make it through one of the, the worst possible situations that you could possibly imagine. Chris and I met on um, June of uh, 2012, and he was deployed, and my brother had said, um, I have this friend, and uh, I really think that you guys would be great together. From there, we say it was like flames to a paper. And so for three months, we talked, just writing letters back and forth. Uh, she would send me care packages while I was deployed. And uh, so I came home for R&R uh, because I wanted to take her out on a date. Just fell head over heels in love. And we were married the following May because we had the depth, the friendship. It felt like I'd known him for so much longer than a year. It was fairy tale like um, church on Sundays, uh, you know, Sunday night dinner, breakfast for dinner, and and we had um, eleven months of that before um, everything changed. Stop nine one one with the emergency. One six seven five Airport Road. I've been shot. Okay, who did it, sir? I don't know. Unknown gunman. He got a shotgun. I've been shot. I've been shot. Okay, um, stay on the line with me, okay? What's your name? Chris Rivers Parkman. I'm losing energy really fast. Okay, stay on the line with me, okay? Please tell my wife I love her. Reports of a shooting inside a FedEx facility in Kennesaw. We do have confirmation from FedEx there was a shooting at their building. We know at least six people have been taken to the hospital. Chris Sparkman served time in the Army. He was most recently in Kuwait. I got a call on my phone and saw that it was Chris. And he said, I've been shot. Listen, I've been shot. Don't be mad at me. I knew I needed to call 911. I put my hand on my wound to try to like stop the the bleeding, you know, so that way I could at least last long enough to make the call. I honestly didn't think that I was going to make it. And I could hear screaming in the background and um, Chris faded out and a woman came on the phone and uh, she was holding my husband's head and telling him that it was going to be okay. Then Jamie told the girl to to talk about our honeymoon. It was like God was telling me, this is what you're going to fight for. You need to fight. We hadn't even been married a year. 
The last thing I saw of Chris was he was laying on the OR table. And they closed the curtain. From there, it was um, about a four-hour life-saving surgery. They told me that the next 48 hours, we would know whether Chris could pull through. And it was in it was in between 24 and 48 hours that um, Chris started making his own vitals. And I sat with him that night and I just listened to his breath. And I tell people it was single-handedly the most beautiful song I've ever heard. There were 25 surgeries um, during that three-month stay at Kennestone. And uh, the day... Chris came home from the hospital was, I tell people, it's the best day of my life. When we got off the elevator, there was this roar of people that just cheered. It was then that I felt true joy. So after we came home, there was a lot of back and forth with with regard to the surgeries being told okay, this is going to be your last surgery. This is the one that's going to fix you. And then, you know, 10 days after that surgery, everything falls apart. You know, you want somebody to blame, and and frankly, there was definitely someone to blame, and that was the shooter. God worked in our, in our lives very early on during this process, you know. Um, when I was still in the hospital the first time, Jamie had put on the wall right across from my bed, Genesis 50, Verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good. You know, the shooter, he was once a boy. He was once a child. And God really wanted me to remember that. Um, And to remember that somebody lost him too. From the very first, the moment of the shooting, God's faithfulness was there. Giving me grace so that way I could learn how to forgive the shooter it's all the more apparent, you know, that God's been with us the whole time. All of these 54 surgeries were um, just a forceful reminder that we are not in control of anything. We just thank God for um, just His Son and the victories that He accomplished on the cross because I think that's the only way that we overcame this trial Two weeks after Chris's surgery in February of 2017, we got news that we had been dreaming of hearing for three years. It was that Chris had no leaks. Hmm. Life is certainly going to be different than it was. Are we probably going to spend a lot of time in hospitals? Yeah, but are we together? Yeah. We're stronger than we've ever been. (laughs) As you know, we've been praying for three years that uh, not only would Chris survive all of that, but that uh, every surgery would be the last surgery he would have to have. And he's gone from 25 to 30 to 40 to 45. I mean, we've been praying over so many numbers. 
And uh, a few months ago, he had number 54. And that seems to be the one that has uh, helped him to, to, to be okay inside at this point. And so I have just felt that over the last several months, I thought when we get to this point, we're going to do something to commemorate this and to symbolize, you know, that, that last surgery, that God's been faithful. And you've heard, their, you've heard what they talked about. And so I started thinking about the Atlanta Braves, and I thought, you know, here the Braves are moving into a brand new stadium, and if anybody needs a fresh start, it's the Braves. And, um, and Chris and Jamie, Chris and Jamie need a fresh start. So I started working with some friends of mine who connected with the Braves, and uh, we had Chris and Jamie in the service at 4 o'clock last night, and we brought them up here on the stage. Uh, we were hoping to have them here today, but, but he's not feeling well. So last night, uh, we had them up here on the stage, and... Uh, I had to go down yesterday. It came down to the official seamstress of the Braves. So whether or not she was going to be able to do this for me, she pulled it off. So yesterday, we were able to present them with official game jerseys uh, from the Atlanta Braves. And the cool thing about it is we put on the back of those things, Sparkman, number 54. And I want you to commit to keep praying for them. Keep praying for them because, listen, they've got a long, long journey ahead. There's going to probably be many more trips to the hospital. But here, you heard heard Jamie talk about this. If it weren't for the cross, they wouldn't have the power. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, Chris and Jamie wouldn't have had the the power and the ability to handle all that they'd been through, the shootings, the 54 surgeries, all of the setbacks, the hundreds of days in the hospital, months and months where Chris couldn't eat hardly anything, the many, many dark moments wondering if Chris was actually going to make it. But because Jesus rose from the dead and conquered the grave, the sustaining grace and the power was there to carry them through every twist and turn, and it's going to be there in the future. Here's a great promise. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That means that that nothing, not hardship, not trial, not even death, not danger, will ever be able to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You say, how can that be? We serve a resurrected Savior who still operates in resurrection power. And he promises today to fill you with that same power to give you the strength to face the challenges of every single day. So I want to ask you a question. What does the resurrection mean to you this morning? I know for some people it's just an ancient event. For some people, it's a fairy tale, it's a, it's a, it's a fable, it's a story that, uh, you know, 12 guys and some ladies made up. But I want you to know that Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, he actually appeared to over 500 people. They saw him with their own eyes. And I also want you to know that I've been to the tomb. And I've looked in the tomb, and nobody's home. He's gone. He's not there. Christ is alive. Listen. Many of you here today, you're desperate for a life change. You're desperate for something to to touch your marriage, to make it whole again, to to break you from an addiction, to break you from something that has just, just, just gripped your life and is causing you pain every single day, to free you up from your past. Listen, since he's alive, he gives you the power to change. He will give you the power to get started, and he'll give you the power to keep going. But here's the truth. Like I said at the very beginning, you cannot do this alone. You don't have the strength and the power to do this in your own, in your own strength. You don't have the power to do it on your own. You were made to depend upon Jesus. Ecclesiastes tells us inside every one of us, 
It's a God-shaped hole. Eternity has been put inside of us. It's a God-shaped hole that can only be filled by Jesus. You can try to fill it with everything else that's out there in the world, but it will always leave you feeling empty and miserable and unsatisfied. I know there's some of you here today, you can't let go of your past failures and mistakes. You let them define you. Jesus Christ offers forgiveness today. He promises to cancel your sins and to wipe them off your record. He offers you a chance to start over. For some of you, you feel like a failure. You feel like a loser or a has-been. Maybe your identity is wrapped up in, in what you know, has been done to you or what you have done or words that people have spoken over you. God offers you a chance to have a brand new identity. He wants to, to bring you into a family and give you a brand new title. Loved and accepted, forgiven child of God. For some of you, you feel powerless over the challenges you're facing right now. What if you had the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, giving you peace, giving you strength, giving you power to face those issues head on, giving you power to change your circumstance? What if your circumstance didn't change, but you had the power in your life to go through it and be victorious on the other side? The resurrection means that there is no situation that is too hopeless. The resurrection means that there's no problem too big for Jesus. He is still in the resurrection business. He still takes impossible situations and makes them possible because there's an empty tomb. And I want you to know today he has the power to change your life. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? If you're here today, and maybe you limped in here. You know Jesus as your Savior, but you've limped in here because of your sinfulness, because of all of the stuff that has just marred your past and your present and your future is being impacted by all of that. And you're just, I mean, maybe you didn't even want to be here today. Or maybe you're here and you're just going, my goodness. It's been since Christmas, Brian. It's been since Easter or however long ago. It's been a long time. And I feel that same Holy Spirit convicting me and pulling me. The same one that brought me into a relationship with Jesus is the same one that's, that's convicting me today. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. You confess your sins to the Lord. You put those things in front of Him. You ask Him once again to wipe the slate clean. You remind yourself that the gospel wasn't for just that one moment that you received Christ to be your Savior. It's for this moment right now to, to, to wipe those sins away from your life, to cancel that record once again and to make things right between you and God, to make you whole again. And you walk out of here today forgiven. You walk out of here with the slate clean. You walk out of here today with the power of Jesus in your life. But you also, some of you may have walked in here today, someone invited you. Maybe your name's written on the wall over there. You've got a bunch of dots. You saw them. Maybe your name is written on the wall over there. Someone's been praying for you for a long time. Our staff's been praying for you. It's no accident that you're here today. And in your heart, there's a stirring. You may, maybe you've never felt like this before. That is the Holy Spirit of God drawing you into a relationship with Jesus. Do not say no to that. Do not deny that. God's inviting you into a relationship with him. He is inviting you into a, into a life where, you, where he says, you are now my child. And you look back at him and go, you are now my daddy. I need you now and I need you in eternity. If that's where you are in your life, I want you to pray with me right now. Just pray with me in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. I need you. I'm desperate for you. I am asking you at this very moment 
to be my Savior. I put all of my faith and trust in you alone. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the gift of salvation into my life. Lord, I repent of my sins, which means I changed my mind about the direction I was going. And Lord, I want Jesus. I don't even know what's next, but I know sitting here to now, at this moment, I need forgiveness. I need new life. I need a new identity. I need strength. I need someone, and only you can do this, Jesus, to stamp the words paid in full across my life. I want to walk out of here a changed person. That's who I am today. So what you did on the cross, and by rising from the dead, Lord, that's enough. I put all my faith and trust in that. If that's who you are today, I want you to do me a favor. Be bold with me for a moment. Would you just raise your hand up all over this auditorium and say, I just prayed with you. Hands up all over the place. Amen. 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 Let's clap for these folks.